uh, today is, is traditionally uh, uh, the week where we would be celebrating Trinity Sunday. And, uh, but because we had a baptism, we, we didn't do our uh, Trinity service that we have designed. And that means uh, you missed out on saying the Athanasian Creed, uh, which is um, about the two or three pages in the back of your hymnal. And um, so go home, teach it to your kids, say it out loud. Um, and it's, it's a pretty long and laborious one. But uh, it, is, it is one of the teachings of our church, of all churches, that is, as well. But with Trinity Sunday, and our, what we wanted to focus on was that as a topic. And I think it's, it's um, an issue and a topic that we should spend some time talking about. But before we did that, I actually I wanted to do a little bit of a quiz. Uh, and, and just test the waters and see what we're working with here um, today. So call back to your catechism days if you went through catechism. And, and, and these will be true or false, so yell them out. There is no judgment. Um, we'll, uh, we'll withhold it today. Uh, but if you get them wrong, come and talk to me. How about that? Let's, let's, let's do this. All right, so true or, true or false? True or false, okay. Um, God the Father created the Trinity. True or false? God the Father created the Trinity. Uh, yeah. <laughs> False. 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 God the Father did not create the Trinity. The Trinity always was, right? And 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 not not created. Um, the Son is equal to the Father. True. True. Okay. True. True. All right. We're doing something right. Yeah. Um, the Holy Spirit is the force that God uses uh, to show his help and guidance. The Holy Spirit is the force God uses uh, to show his help and guidance. False. He's not a force. He's what? A person. A person. He's he's, he's part of the Trinity. Very good. Okay. Um, Jesus was the first and greatest being created by God the Father. False. Why is that false? It was not created. Begotten, not made, right? Being of one substance with the Father by whom all things are made. Very good. Okay. Um, sermon series, I guess, in the, in the future <laughs> might work out. Uh, like 60% orthodox. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's difficult, right? These are, these are difficult ideas and concepts to get down. In fact... The Trinity, I would, I would put even more so than talking about Jesus as true God and true man, is very hard. And, and one of the reasons that I would say it's really hard to talk about is because there is absolutely nothing else in all of the world, in all of creation, that compares to the Trinity. There's nothing else in all of the world and all of creation that is like the Trinity. Uh, we, can, we try and come up with examples and illustrations, but... But all of them actually wind up falling short in some way. Even, even the apple or the egg illustration, if you've ever had that, falls a little short in some way. Um, because the Trinity is absolutely 100% unique from anything else that we have. But it is the way that God has chosen to reveal himself to us, and in faith we receive. 
It's a way that God has chosen to reveal himself to us, and in faith we wind up receiving. Um, I, I was reading through some material in preparation. I came across a study that was done by Legionnaire uh, Ministries um, last year, trying to find out what was some of the common beliefs of uh, Amer- American evangelicals, that is, those, those that believe that they have been born again and those that uh, believe in being saved by grace. Well, um, the American evangelical church, in asking these questions... Um, 78% of them said that Jesus was the first and most perfect person created by God the Father. It goes up to 85% if it was those that agree. The 78% would strongly agree. Which means there's a lot of heresy going on there. (laughs) There's a lot of bad teaching or at least bad understanding of what the Trinity is because we know that Jesus was not created. That God the Son was not created, that is. Because he is part of the Trinity. Um, we are, uh, More than 50% of the American evangelicals surveyed said that the Holy Spirit was the force that God uses. Therefore, denying that the Spirit was a person of the Trinity, was God. So we can see that actually the history of the church, which was full of all kinds of bad teaching about the Trinity, that was uh, arguments and and movements pushed forward to bring us in line with Scripture, a lot of those same thoughts of the past have returned to our churches and have brought, uh, maybe because of our emphasis or lack of emphasis on education in Scripture and in theology or in our clergy. Uh, So therefore... We've got work to do, which means this might be a very boring sermon. (laughs) So let's do a quick overview (laughs) of the Trinity and what the Trinity is, right? We can, for a fact, say because of the way Scripture and Jesus speaks of the Trinity that we have three persons of the Trinity, right? The Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And each of those were not created. And each of those are God. But each of those is not the other. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy, right? So this is always a handy, nice little makeup. If you, if you grew up in an old farm church in the Midwest, chances are you had a stained glass window that was this, but most likely in German. You know. um, So the Father is not the Son, but both the Father and the Son are God, as well as the Holy Spirit. And we use a triangle because the triangle shows that one is not over the other. That they are all equal God. Any questions? No, right? Okay, we're good. Very good. Well, this is important to us. This actually uh, means quite a bit to us, and, and, and sometimes we, we don't really pull it all together. Those, uh, those specific uh, errors that I was talking about earlier, the one about Jesus being created and the one about the Holy Spirit, are significant errors because if Jesus was created by God, that means he is not God. That is, if the Son of God was created by God, he, he is not God. Which means... If the Son of God came here to die for us, we needed God to die for us. We needed someone who is perfect. Someone who is actually sinless. 
someone who could do what we cannot do. And the only person that can do that is God himself. And so in the Son, we have God who is revealed to us to be the Son of God, coming and dying because that's who we need. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit active and working. We need the Holy Spirit to be the presence of God in our lives. And the only person who can bring the presence of God is God Himself. So therefore, in our baptism and by the Word of God, who is it that you have in your life? Nothing short of God Himself by way of the Holy Spirit in your life. This is significant. And here we have in Scripture all of this spoken about. Where oftentimes we like to think about maybe uh, the Trinity working, that the Father got everything established and He stepped back. The Son came in to save us all, then He stepped back. And now all we're doing is living in time of the Holy Spirit. But in Scripture we see all of the Trinity active and working together always. So that the Spirit existed in the Old Testament and worked. Our reading today from Proverbs shows, talks about the Son being active and working along with the Father there in creation. So even at the time of creation, the Son of God is active in there. And let us not forget that in John chapter 1, it says about the Son of God that He was there at creation, all things were made through Him, and there was nothing made that was, made, that was not made through Him. So the Son was there and active. And here in Proverbs, we have it said, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was there, I was brought forth, before He had made the earth and its fields, of the first of the dust of the fields. He established the heavens, and where was the Son of God? I was there. I was there. When He drew a circle on the face of the deep, when He made the skies above, and when He established the fountains, when He assigned the sea its limits, when He marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside Him like a master workman, and I was daily His delight. Here we see always that the Son of God was there, active and working alongside the Father, the One that we call Creator. And He calls Himself the Master Workman. Getting His hands dirty. Because of Jesus, we know that that was not the only time the Son of God got His hands dirty. We know that in the Son of God, we have the Messiah, the Christ. We have Jesus who has come to us, who got His hands dirty once again, not to create those things already created, but to recreate, to remake, to bring about new life where sin had brought death. The person who did this, the person that came to read this morning, the person who has come to you for your salvation in your life was the very one that was there at the beginning. But to me, one of the most significant parts of this Proverbs section is the statements that it makes towards the end. And I believe is the main emphasis of this part of Proverbs, where it says there, um, the purpose and the point of their work together was delight and joy. 
I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in the inhabited world, and delighting in the children of men. On the screen here is an icon from about the 13th or 14th century. It's one of the most famous Trinitarian icons and, and comes from a, re, a Russian artist. Um, it's, it's one of the more important ones that are ever made because, you know, in our, in our style we often get a picture of God the Father sitting on the throne high above and the Son being sent down and the Spirit just being uh, a dove. But here in this icon it lists and shows them as persons. And if you take a notice in the, uh, in the icon, how are they seated? They're, they're seated in a triangle and they're seated together on an equal plane as the best way that an icon puts them on an equal plane. They're sitting at the table and they're actually having fellowship with one another. This is commonly called the Trinity icon, but its actual real name is Abraham and the Visitors. And it's a picture of the visitors that visited Abraham. But in it, we see the Trinity there in relationship with one another in their joy and in their delight. You are someone who is unique along with all the other persons in this world because you are someone who is created. And you were not only created, but in whose image were you created? In God's image. And one of those parts of his image that has come to you in your life was actually his joy and his delight. You were meant, created and made, to be someone who's in relationship. You were meant, made and created to be someone who is together with other people. You were meant, created and made to be in a relationship similar to this. To where joy and delight in pain, in trouble, and in happiness exists. The Trinity is significant in our life because in the Trinity we see a way that God is always working within Himself and within community to bring about salvation, hope, and life. You were created out of the abundance of this joy and delight. You were redeemed out of the abundance of this joy and life. You've been brought in to this joy. Your baptism places the name of this Trinity on you. Your name was spoken together with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and it is the invitation, it is the bringing you in among this joy and this delight. Not making you God, but to live among Him live with him, to have him with you. Therefore, the joy and the delight that exists within the Trinity has come to you. So the Son describes the way that he works with the Father. The Spirit goes out in its delight and its, uh, its desiring to bring about life in you because it overflows with them. But it doesn't always feel like delight, does it? Living this baptized life is not always an easy living. 
In our Bible study this morning, we talked about the set of scriptures where Jesus, in calling us to follow Him, was also a call to pick up our cross. Meaning that it is a life to be of suffering. Suffering in temptation. Suffering from the sin that faces us. For us, we know the Christian faith is not always a rock band and happy music. But actually, most of the hymns that come to us in Scripture deal with the difficult things in life. We see in the picture of the Trinity, we see a father who was scorned by the very people that he made. We see a son who had come to suffer all of that scorn on his behalf and so that we can come to him. In the Holy Spirit, we see a God who comes to each and every one of us and deals with our doubts and our pain and our hunger and our thirst. So what about this joy and this desiring when times are tough? This is another icon. This icon actually hangs in our back narthex. Or I guess that's our front narthex. I... I'm confused with the mirror. It hangs on the other side of that wall. And it was done by a Portland artist, uh, Scott Erickson, um, who uh, some of us have even gone to see some of his art shows. And um, he's done a lot of different icons that explore the nature of God and its interaction with the world. And this one's on the Trinity. And if you look, what is uh, one of the main shapes of this uh, icon that stands out once again? It's a triangle, isn't it? And much like the famous Trinitarian uh, icon from the Russian artist, where is the Trinity seated? It's at a table, right? Except for this time, your view is from above, looking down on the Trinity. And you don't see the faces of the persons. You see the texture of the different garments that the person is wearing. And you can tell who each person is by their chalice. It has an emblem on it. So I'll give you the easy one. One is marked with a dove, which stands for the Holy Spirit. One is marked with an interesting symbol. What is that symbol? Can you tell? The, the infinity, right? Standing for the Creator, the Father. And the other one has a shepherd's staff. And that would be the Son of God, right? But here they are, they're seated at this table together. Each of them, the three persons, each holding their own chalice, but what are they doing with their other hand? They're pouring. They're pouring into the other one's cup. A sign of fellowship, of communion together, and of connection. That not only are they always at work with one another, but part of their delighting and joy with each other is filling one another's cup. This is the relationship that you've been baptized into, that you've been now called into for the times when our joy and desiring seems nothing more than mourning and grief. That when your cup is empty, you now have someone that fills it up. You have been brought into a relationship where that restoration happens. But it doesn't just happen in your relationship with the Trinity. It happens in the relationship you've been baptized into. 
that the Trinity has brought you into, and that is the body of Christ. That our lessons in the Trinity aren't just about us and God, but it is also about each other. That we as created persons were created to be in that relationship. And because of your baptism, because of the call that you've received in this faith, and by God's Word, you have been brought into this community. And that means when we sit at our table together, when we receive in order to be filled, who is it that has been called to fill our cups? Each other. One another. We do that with the grace of God. We do that by the one who has died for us, who has risen for us, who has given us what it is to fill each other's cup with. Forgiveness. Hope. And love. The actions of joy and desiring in the the Trinity are that being lived out among one another. Today we witnessed a brother being brought to the faith to receive that from his God And it is now upon us to continue to come and remind him of that, filling his cup. When one of us suffers loss, we reach over and we pour into their cup. When one of us has fallen once again into the depths of our sin, who refuses to acknowledge our own need of a Savior, the Trinity has called you to speak to bring that grace into their life and to bring that forgiveness. May this action not just stay with the God who has saved you, but be brought into your life by one another and by the powerful working of the God who fills empty cups. Amen? Amen. Amen.